0: Welcome to Budweiser's
1: weekday sports beat.
0: Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes! 98 yards!
1: On Sports Radio, 960 WSBT.
0: Wide open touchdown, Motor Dame! Lorenzo Styles! Here's
1: your host, Darren Pritchett. 539 at WSBT, my co-host on Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob of Ultra, Saturday's. Here on WSBT Radio is Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. He joins me right now to offer his perspective on whatever we witnessed on Saturday as the Irish knocked off by the Stanford Cardinal 16-14. to 14. Well, it's fair to say, I don't care if you're a fan or a media member, nobody saw this coming. Now, if Notre Dame won by three or four points, okay, that's possible because this team has flaws and they just can't have a bad day. And well, Tyler, they had a bad day and they lost to this Stanford football team that had found so many ways to lose over the last year. But they got some help from Notre Dame and they walked away with a 16 to 14 victory. I'm just going to start with this. You were there for Coach Freeman's presser on Saturday and again today, but mainly on Saturday. And this is something I just kind of touched on in the opening segment. Someone counted, he said execution 27 times in that press conference on Saturday. And I think for Irish fans, they're looking for answers to how this football team can lose 16 to 14. And also, if you're going to say execution 27 times, well, give us more details why this is. A problem. And I don't know if we're getting that really answered clearly at this point. So let me just start with this. There are some people, Tyler, that believes the cupboard was empty for Notre Dame when Brian Kelly left. I have a hard time saying that is the case. How would you evaluate the program that Marcus Freeman inherited from Brian Kelly?
0: Yeah, that's definitely a case of revisionist history, if anyone is saying that, because it was just a Month and a half ago, this was a top five team in the country, and all the hype was at college game day in Columbus, Ohio. And everybody thought, hey, this could be an awesome opportunity for Notre Dame to win one of those big games that Brian Kelly had such a hard time winning. Well, guess what? Notre Dame lost that game and looked pretty feeble offensively in doing so. Did some good things defensively, but ultimately. Ohio State was too much in the second half. C.J. Stroud made the winning plays, and nobody on Notre Dame, either side of the ball, made the winning plays. So a month and a half later, two losses in addition to that one later against teams that Notre Dame was a heavy favorite against in both of them, both at Notre Dame Stadium, and everyone is saying, oh, well, this was never set up to be successful. Then what were those same people saying when they were so excited for that game on September third in Columbus. I'm sure everyone was like, hey, this is Notre Dame's opportunity to get right back in the college football playoff conversation and be one of the front runners. Well, Ohio State is off and running still and they are in that conversation and Notre Dame is simply trying to win three of the next six games to make it to a bowl. So I I do not think that the cupboard was bare and anyone that says Brian Kelly left because he saw this coming, there's no way that Brian Kelly, if he was here would envision a three and three football team. And I don't think Notre Dame would be three and three no. if Brian Kelly was here either. I think they'd find a way to beat Marshall probably. And, and also to beat Stanford. So you're talking about a Brian Kelly special in that you're five and one and you lost Ohio state cause you can't win the big one. But wouldn't you take five and one over three and three right now? And I'm not, I'm not saying Marcus Freeman is a 500 head coach and it's not going to work out. It's way too early to go one way or the other, but just in terms of what Marcus Freeman inherited, he inherited a roster that was one game away from going to the college football playoff last year, one ranking away. This was a number five team in the country in the ranking that determines who goes off to the CFP and who's the odd man out at number five. That was Notre Dame. And that was less than a year ago. And yeah, you lose the quarterback who who was pretty good and was, was an able pocket passer and you lose, a really good running back in Kyron Williams, but I don't think anyone is sitting here saying Notre Dame is three and three because Kyron Williams isn't here or Notre Dame is three and three because Kyle Hamilton is all on the Baltimore Ravens. Now Notre Dame is three and three because there's been some questionable in-game coaching. There's been some questionable execution, if you want to use that word and and he uses it a bunch, but there is a point to be made that these guys aren't making plays. The question is, why are they not making plays? Is it the coaching you have to blame the coaching a little bit because they're the ones that are supposed to get these guys in the positions. There's another cliche positions to succeed. So just to answer your, your question again, this was not a bear cover. This was, I mean, I predicted nine and three at the beginning of the season, but that was mainly because this is a really tough schedule. Look at, look at the Mm -hmm. three, three of the teams, Notre Dame still has to play Syracuse is undefeated. Clemson is undefeated. USC just lost to a top 20 team. In Utah, at Utah, so the schedule was hard, and I always thought Notre Dame was going to succumb to that with the first-year head coach. But I didn't think they'd be three and three at this point in the season. I didn't think two of those losses would be to teams that they easily should have beaten.
1: A common message I get on Twitter is, "Well, Brian Kelly left because he knew he didn't have a quarterback." A money is the reason why he is no longer the head Mm -hmm. coach at Notre Dame, and number two, I will stand pat. I think Brian Kelly would have went out and gotten a grad transfer quarterback before this season because he was still in winning mode, trying to get to the playoff, trying to win a national championship, and he was not going to go into the season, I think, with two inexperienced quarterbacks. I think he would have went and gotten that guy. Now, what I would love to know, I wish I could have been a little fly on the wall, when Marcus Freeman became head coach I'm sure he had that conversation with Tommy Reese. Do we need to go get a quarterback? In fact, I believe he has answered that question, and they decided they did not need one. That was their choice. They felt like, I guess, I'll use my own words, they must have thought they had at least one quarterback that could lead them to the playoff, because that is the goal that the team had talked about in the preseason. So I just the whole empty cupboard thing, I think that's just people reaching at this point. And right now, it's all about, as you talked about, how in the world can this football team get better executing? And I think it's mainly on the offensive side of the football, but there are some tweaks, obviously, that need to be done on the defensive side of the football. Right now, I think as we as media members, I know the team can't look at it this way, I think as we go through these next six ball games, it still has to be figured out. Is Drew Pine a guy that can help this football team at quarterback next year? If they don't get a grad transfer quarterback and we're having a Buckner-Pine conversation again, is he good enough to get them where they want to go? And that performance on Saturday was concerning because 75% of his throws was with a clean pocket. And Tyler, he threw under 50% in that ball game. So this was a head-scratcher and a major step back for him.
0: It was, and just when you think that he had turned the corner, and not really turned the corner, just when you thought he was playing well and maybe playing at his full potential, and he might have been. Maybe that is the best Drew Pine could be in the game against North Carolina, in the game against BYU. That works against most teams. It should have worked against Stanford, but when you complete less than 50% of his, your passes like, you, like he did, and it just – off the mark, too, you look at the Braden Lindsey throw. Marcus Freeman talked about it in his press conference today. He's got to hit that. That's a touchdown. And Braden Lindsey doesn't get many opportunities like that. And Tommy Reese was talking about him last week saying he need to get the ball in his hands. That was a perfect opportunity for about a 20, 25-yard touchdown strike. And Pine let it go. And then a lot of other times, Marcus Freeman has talked about this because he's been asked a few times in the last 48 hours, is he a little bit too reliant on Michael Mayer and – you know, it's kind of a slippery slope—not a slippery, slope. Not a slippery yes. slope, but it's a double-edged sword because you you need to be a li- at least a little bit reliant on the best tight end in the country. But you did see some throws, and I was just rewatching the game, and there was a third-down throw where Drew Pine just forced it right into Michael Mayer, and he's lucky that it didn't get intercepted. And some of these passes could have easily gotten intercepted. So there's a disconnect between him and the majority of his Intended targets because Michael Mayer he was targeted ten times on on 27 pass attempts, and if he catches eight, to, you know, eight, nine, ten of those, then you've done a good job. But he only caught five of those, and that's an issue. So it was a step back for Drew Pine, and you do have to ask: Is he a guy that can lead Notre Dame to 10, 11, 12 wins in the college football playoff? I'm not so sure. We draw the comparisons to Stetson Bennett, and that's his friend, a former walk-on who's had a heck of a story, but if you don't have a defense like Stetson bennett did last year and this year's is even really good at georgia and you don't have five-star talent all around you at the skill positions the running backs and all those things then you can't be a Stetson bennett type of player and win a national championship and i know he may be better than we give him credit for but this notre dame team is not as good as that georgia team or even anywhere close to it so you have to start from the quarterback out. And if Drew Pine isn't the guy, then, yeah, you, you have to think about next year maybe bringing in somebody. And right now they are slated to not bring anybody because they don't have a commit in the class of 2023. And mm. you talked about the transfer situation. No, Notre Dame has talked at length about how difficult it is to get a transfer in here. I also believe that Brian Kelly would have done it. But do you have the confidence in this staff that, that they're going to do it if they didn't do it this past year? Maybe this season and the way it has gone has changed some things, but I firmly believe if Notre Dame goes into 2023 with the exact same quarterback contingent as it has right now, there's going to be some issues because Tyler Buckner can't stay healthy. Drew Pine is not even six foot tall and gets passes batted down at the line of scrimmage left and right. and It's just not a good situation for Notre Dame if you go into the season with the same question marks surrounding the guys that you already have.
1: I know, Tyler, most fans who are really ticked off right now seem to vent their frustrations toward offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. I mean, there is a target on him from a lot of people, even in past years when the offense was having some success. For whatever reason, people like to point to Tommy Reese as being a guy they don't want a part of this program anymore. Now... Have I had some frustrations with some of the play calls, especially down in the red zone or fourth down calls? Yeah, there are some frustrating calls, but I'm going to say this too in defense of Tommy. He can't throw the football. Braden Lindsay was wide open for a touchdown. He designed the play. The ball was overthrown. Merriweather the first time, wide open. Tommy Reese can't throw it. He can only design it. The ball was overthrown. Should have been two touchdowns, plain and simple. Now, Are there other calls that could have been better? I think we can sit here and nitpick as armchair quarterbacks. But to me, Tommy Reese's job as offensive coordinator is a heck of a lot easier if Notre Dame has better wide receivers that they can count on consistently play in and play out. There were drops in the game by Lorenzo Styles, and a one in the end zone. He had his arm grabbed and there's not much you can do when your arm gets grabbed. You can't exactly catch it under your arm very easily. But to me, Michael Mayer is more open. The running game has more possibilities. I mean, Tyler, you're getting in that Stanford game one-on-one opportunities across the field because they've got that extra man in the box to stop the run, but the Irish can't take advantage. And to me, Tommy's job, Drew's job, Mayer's job, everybody's job gets a whole lot easier if the wide receiver position was better. Now, I know Tommy oversees the offense. He knows what he wants at the wide receiver position, so it's a roundabout conversation. But I just think talking about game execution if we're going to do that that is really hurting this football team agree or disagree
0: oh absolutely and um, everyone was nail on the head type of talking over the off season when they look at the depth chart and the roster and they say whoa we only have this many guys at wide receiver and and this is who these guys are a bunch of guys who are unproven well here we are six games into a season and they're still not proving themselves. You mentioned Lorenzo styles. I thought he had a pretty poor game to be quite honest with you. And I know they take away that one where he was being held because that's a penalty, but there were other instances where the ball was in his general vicinity. And I think there are playmakers on these other elite teams that we talk about and even not the elite teams. How many times do you flip on a game and you're like, Whoa, how did that guy make that catch? Or, you know, maybe it pops up on Twitter and, two uh, directional schools are playing and, and some guy makes a play you know there have been a bunch of teams that have made plays on this stanford team in the last couple of years that's why they hadn't won an fbs game since early october of 2021 and they get on the field against notre dame and, and these corners look like guys who should be playing in the NFLs on sundays and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense or maybe it does if you're a notre dame fan and that's what's so, discouraging to you is that you knew what these guys were going into the season. You knew they were going to struggle to make plays. And then, once it actually manifests on the field in a situation where they're not making those plays, it's just all the more frustrating because you saw the writing on the wall. And these coaches, Chancy Stuckey, Tommy Reese, they didn't see the writing on the wall. Now, that said, I think Chansey Stuckey has done an awesome job on the recruiting front. And, you know, guys like Braylon James and uh, some of these other wide receiver targets that he's bringing in in the class of 2023, Rico Flores, Jr., Jaden Greathouse. You know, that's another guy from Texas who a bunch of teams in the country want that guy, but Notre Dame is in line to get him. So they realize that a change needs to be made, and, and they're trying to do that on the recruiting front. But just in terms of what it was going to be in 2022, so many people saw it. We saw it on this show. You go to anybody else who's covering Notre Dame, they saw it. The questions were asked, and it's just kind of a shame that Notre Dame is halfway into its season, and it's played out exactly as everybody saw it would, and nobody has really taken that step. Now, have there been flashes? Sure. Tobias Merriweather just had one this past weekend with a 41-yard touchdown. Jaden Thomas had the 30-yard touchdown against BYU, but I'll ask you, what did Jaden Thomas do against Stanford? Or what did Tobias Merriweather do against Stanford outside of that one play? He should have had two touchdowns, and and that's on Drew Pine on the other one for overthrowing him. But you can't have these flashes in the pan and expect to be some consistent offensive powerhouse. Notre Dame is just lacking consistency and, and, and quite frankly, lacking the proven playmakers who can give you that consistency.
1: Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, my guest. I don't know if you had the sound up when you re the game, but... Jack Collinsworth and more specifically Jason Garrett after Merriweather caught the touchdown they talked about how they were in practice in the fall and who was the guy that always showed up on the field or on tape it was Tobias Merriweather and they they didn't go on to say well we're shocked he's not playing but they went out of their way to talk about wow in fall camp this guy was everywhere he was making plays he showed up on tape for the average Irish fan that might be going on your message board and not being able to comprehend how we watch these two great routes run by Tobias Merriweather it should have been two touchdowns you see the breakdown by Garrett how he absolutely got the hips turned on that Stanford defensive back and went to the end zone and caught the touchdown. Here he makes these two great routes. It should have been two touchdowns, but yet after the touchdown catch, he wasn't on the field again when the game was on the line. How do you respond to fans who just don't understand how this guy can make those two plays, but yet they can't get him on the field any further?
0: Yeah, I wish I had a rational explanation or a good explanation or anything like that, but I don't because I'm in the camp of the people who have been clamoring for Tobias Merriweather to get on the field. And like Collinsworth and like Garrett, I saw him at fall camp and every time I stepped on the field and watched him run routes, I said, you can't keep this guy off the field on Saturdays this fall. You have to put him out there because he's got this long striding running motion that nobody else on this Notre Dame roster has. Uh, Lorenzo styles doesn't have it. Michael Mayer doesn't even have it because he's more of a big guy. Just get him the ball and let him go to work. Hayden Thomas does not have it. Braden Lindsey. Nobody has what Tobias Merriweather has. God-given just his innate running ability. You saw it on the touchdown. Heck, I'll tease what I'm working on right now for sure. BlueAndGoal.com in the morning. He played 10 snaps, and I'm looking at every single one of them. And the first two snaps that he was on the field for were just Logan Diggs running plays right up the middle. But Merriweather was on the outside at the boundary in one of the plays in the field and the other. And they didn't even ask him to do like a straight up rock run blocking technique. He was running go routes just to draw the defense and maybe even get the safety to bite and run with him. And I was just watching him run on those plays. And I was like, my goodness, Notre Dame has something here that nobody else on the roster can give them. So for him not to be on the field when Notre Dame gets the ball back with two 30 left and they, they need to go down and score to win the game, or you're going to lose the game for him not to be out there. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but, what have Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese told us over and over again, he's got to build that trust. And Marcus Freeman even said it Saturday night after he caught that touchdown and should have had two more. He says continuing to build that trust. So you mentioned being a fly on the wall earlier. I'd like to be a fly on a light pole outside at the Notre Dame football practice facilities. And just, I want to see over the course of a whole practice, what exactly it is that he needs to build trust from them from, because to me, I mean, if I was coaching this team and I'm not, and I'm not making all that money, I'd I'd put them out there for sure.
1: It almost feels like if you don't do it in practice, you're not playing. That's what it feels like to me. And you know what? There are people, I think we talked about this on Saturday, there are people in the Pro Football Hall of Fame that weren't very good during the week in practice, and they were okay in game situations. So I have a feeling we'll see a little bit more of Tobias this week, but... It may be a while before we see all out Tobias Merriweather in this Irish offense. All right, Tyler, to wrap things up, anything else you want to mention that's on blueandgold.com right now or could be coming very, very soon? Because, my heavens, you have a lot of directions to go with stories right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing about covering a team that's kind of middling like this, not... You know, I've got friends that cover Alabama and they say it gets a little boring. I guess they got a little <laughs> bit more to do <laughs> <Yeah>. after this <laughs> this past weekend, but Oof. in the general sense that there's not much they can do. But yeah, go go ahead and read my coworker Patrick Engels rewatch. I think he does a brilliant job with that every Monday morning. And then like I said, I'll have something on Tobias Merriweather out in the morning. But we've got recruiting content. There was a big commitment with Jeremiah Love this past weekend. My co coworker Mike Singer has that covered and then uh, probably less intensive on the UNLV centric stuff this week but uh I I think the bigger thing at hand is just figuring out what the heck is going on with Notre Dame and go to blueandgold.com and and we'll have that all covered for you because uh it's just a, an interesting time for Notre Dame football right now to say the least
1: and not to pile on but CJ Carr kind of plummeted in the on 3 rankings the latest ones he they did. have so I know Mike has a story on that as well at blueandgold.com. Well, thanks for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. And I guess we'll have a lot to talk about on Saturday. I'm not sure how much it'll be about the game itself because it's going to be a hard sell. I'm not sure how many peacock, Peacock subscriptions are going to come about from this game, but... It will be an interesting week building up to that contest, so always good to be with you. Thanks for your analysis, and we'll be looking forward to reading more at blueandgold.com.